Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another week. This is the Live Life of Wrestling Podcast. Sincere Hogan, that's me, my man, Mike Mahler on the other line. Great show today, man. I'm, I'm going to have a lot of fun with this show, man. Yeah, I'm really excited. You know, I've been reading I've been reading a lot of good books lately, and then I was, I was actually in the middle of reading the book called The Power of No by James and Claudia Altucher. And I was like, man, this is a great book, great book. Topic. Great topic, yes. and I reached out to her immediately on Twitter, and fortunately, see, she didn't use the power of no and respond. <laughs> you know, she agreed to come on the show, so we're going to talk to her in just a minute. Perfect. But before we get started, I just wanted to give a few shout-outs. Ice-T and Mick Benzo have a great podcast called The Final Level, Ice-T's Final Level Podcast, and they were nice enough to have me call in as a guest couple days ago and talk about my testosterone booster and both of them are using it both of them love it especially mick who actually is going to come on our show in a couple months and talk about his background but they have a great show so i recommend you guys check them out great show also i wanted to say special thanks to brett lemker he works for a company called brain tonic and they're actually going to be sponsoring our event this weekend in las vegas by giving all of the attendees a can of the brain tonic drink which is basically a nootropic that's sugar-free. It's got paracetam. It's got choline. It's got a lot of really good stuff. So people are going to love this. I'm going to have everyone drink a can right before I teach my kettlebell be training perfect. session. Yeah. <laughs> and be then perfect. we'll get we'll get some. Hopefully, no one gets sick. You know, hopefully, everyone <laughs> hopefully everyone gets a nice brain perk. People don't start hallucinating or freaking out. It gives me about four hours to prepare myself if they do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. We may have to. It'll, it'll be four hours for them to recover from taking that and get on your get into your section. But Brett Brett was very. I reached out to him. He got back to me immediately and said he'd love to sponsor our event, sending every sending everyone a sample. That's a sign that a company believes in their product because right. a lot of times companies don't want to do that because they know their stuff doesn't work. You know, <laughs> and they, they don't want they don't want to sponsor an event like ours where it's a bunch of fitness enthusiasts who are going to give real feedback. Right. So they just try to avoid that. And then final shout out to a bunch of our listeners that have been supporting the show by using our coupon code LLA to buy some nutrition products Definitely. from me. We got Justin O'Brien, Robert Patterson, Daniel Bailey, Tyson Bradley. Tyson's bought many times. Dan Mason, Andrew Fan, all of these guys. You guys are awesome. You are supporting the show with more than just listening. You're supporting my business by using coupon code LLA to get 10% off any of my nutrition supplements. And, you know, they can also use that coupon code to get a discount on your stuff, right? Exactly. And, you know, I want to give a big shout out to Caleb Quinn, who will actually be at our workshop. He'll be at our course this weekend. He also just, he just bought, yeah, Caleb dude, you know, he just (laughs) bought a Toreador. You know, he was like, hey, sincere, man, can you bring um, one of the Toreadors with you to Vegas? I'm like, all right, no, no problem, man. I said, so happily, hop over to the website, make a purchase, and I'll bring it with me. <laughs> okay, so, and he did it right away, man. So he's not one of those BS guys. He's like, hey, man, I, you know, he's interested in the product. He got it, and I'm bringing it to him since we're going to be already be in Vegas. So big shout out to him and also to Rick Smith, who also got a chill your door. So I want to give a big shout out to Dr. Wong, you know, for the episode over coffee because now, I mean, I've – as far as my Google Analytics as my website is concerned, I'm getting more hits about coffee now than fitness. So, you know, it's a definite change around right here. So big shouts out to you guys for supporting the show because all this stuff really helps us out when you purchase our products. That's what's going into the show, keeping the show going. So also, man. So finally, finally, you're getting more hits for coffee than your shirtless picks. <laughs> uh, yeah. like, man, why do people, people keep coming to my side for that? To my, to my, so yeah, giving, I know you wanted something much, strong, dark, and brown, but come on, man, what, coffee? You're giving too much away, man. All right? <laughs> my, I'm the strong, dark, brown thing you should be it's looking gotta at. It's got to be a pay-per-view <laughs> site. What are you doing? <laughs> oh, man. Perfect. 
All right, let's talk to our guest today. We have a really cool lady, Claudia Altucher, who is the co-author of The Power of No, because one little word can bring health, abundance, and happiness. And as I'm reading this book, it reminds me of things that I do, because I'm very good <laughs> at not getting manipulated into doing things I don't want to do. You know, People try to get me to help them move. No, call a moving company. Exactly. You know? exactly. <laughs> because a lot of times we feel we have to do stuff out of obligation, and then we hate ourselves for falling prey to that. Yeah, but we think they won't like us anymore if we tell them no. Exactly. They may actually like us more because we did say no. Sometimes they're like kids. They just want to test you (laughs) just to see, man. And Claudia goes through many examples of the power of saying no in appropriate situations. So without further ado, Claudia, welcome to the show. Hi, Mike. I'm sincere. I'm so glad to be here. You guys have been laughing the whole beginning of the show. (laughs) That was really funny. And I I actually want to tell you two stories because of two things you mentioned. One is about Ice-T. He he had you on his show. That's amazing. He does have a great show. And um, we went on it because he invited James, my husband, the Mm co-author. And um, we told him we were writing The Power of No. And he said, wait. What? What? Wait a minute. Wait, the power of no. Oh, I got a story to tell you about that. And he was like all pumped up. And he says that in the beginning of his career, um, he got really sick. And, uh, you know, they tried all sorts of things. Nothing worked. And eventually they sent him to a psychiatrist. And the psychiatrist observed him, talked to him. And then he wrote him a prescription and it had the word no. In it. And he said to Ice-T, you have to learn to say no. And Ice-T said to us, when you, say, when you don't say no, when you say yes, you take on other people's problems. Right. And that was like brilliant. We were like, you know what? We're totally going to steal that from you and we're not even going to give you credit for it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Claudia, I heard that episode actually with James and that's how I found out about you too. Because I thought James did such a great job on that episode that I looked into his work and then I found his podcast which I think is excellent, and I know you are on that many times. That's another great podcast. I encourage people to check out the James Altucher Show. He has a lot of fascinating guests, does a great yes, job. Yes, he does. He does yes. have some very interesting um, people in. That's true. But uh, there was also another story I wanted to tell sure. you because Sincere talked about uh, coffee and the traffic that comes from coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we have a saying. I practice a very intense type of Ashtanga yoga. You mm-hmm. could say that is the, the sort of like the live aggressively type of yoga. <laughs> you like it is. <laughs> yeah, and the saying goes, no coffee, no prana. And prana is energy in, you know, as yoga speak for energy. Mm-hmm. So it goes like that. No coffee, no energy. <laughs> and it's really true. I mean, I don't know what this doctor said. I'm going to listen to that episode because it already had my eye like a couple of times. And um, I want to know because I love coffee. I just absolutely love it and I can't give it up and yeah. I saw in the description that he was all pro it and I was like oh, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. well there's no reason for you to give it up I mean there's so many coffee is very misunderstood I mean every day there's conflicting research on it right where one day it's oh this stuff's incredible for you the next day it causes high blood pressure and the reality is is that when it's abused like anything sure that can cause some issues but a couple cups a day has a lot of health benefits for your brain for your glucose levels for your insulin sensitivity for your Heart, your heart rate, cardiovascular system. So it really isn't something you need to give up. And honestly, I think, I think the cortisol increase of giving it up, you know, <laughs> right, is so. going to yeah. be worse than any than any negative of drinking, assuming there are any. But Claudia, I'll say yes. this: you're from Argentina, so you have a nice I coffee am. alternative. Because um, <laughs> right, you know, it's funny. We kind of have some parallel things going on as far as when you and James first met, and you know, right after you know his marriage ended, and you know, yours too. But and then. 
certain things that happened right after my marriage and I ended up dating a young lady who was half Argentinian and you know and that's really? what she and she put me on to Herba Mate and oh man when you talk <laughs> and I you know I remember when James met you you know and it's funny because you were on J date and you weren't Jewish guess what guess who else was on J date right. and wasn't Jewish seriously <laughs> to my, to my, this little brown skin dreadlock having dude right here there's Good nothing to, and I'm not Whoopi Goldberg so that's, that's the only thing I'd probably confuse people on J date like wait a minute <laughs> sincere Goldberg what the hell so <laughs> so it's just really funny when I read that story about you guys but yeah she put me on to Urban Mate and man I really love that so there are times when you know when I just kind of want to cycle off a of coffee which we talked about in that last episode with Dr. Wong when I cycle off I like to have Urban Mate so therefore I'm not really getting too far away from that nice little caffeine benefit but it doesn't have just the same kick as coffee does so it's kind of more of a sustained kick and and I truly love Urban Mate especially I like making Urban Mate lattes my daughter loves that that's like one of the first lattes she's ever had because I wouldn't give her coffee latte oh yes oh yes that's new to me that sounds interesting that could work great it is great you'll love it so yeah it was just funny reading that story about you guys and you met on j date (laughs) it was hilarious to me to me it's a little bit too bitter even more bitter than coffee but if you get used to it it does give you a nice sort of like not so extreme but a nice high Right. Uh, especially if you drink it the way the Argentinians drink it, which is, it would be sort of like the equivalent of a cup full of tea leaves, yeah. and then you put a straw in it, exactly. so it's incredibly powerful. <laughs> yeah, it is, exactly. Uh, if you don't, re- And I think that's where the latte version of it makes it a little better for people who are just starting to drink herbal mate, because otherwise, if someone drinks it for the first time, like, this tastes like cigarette ash. I know. <laughs> <laughs> which makes me wonder, what like, why do you know, how do you know the cigarette ash? What do you, how do you even know what that tastes like? <laughs> Obviously, you're doing it wrong. Okay. Right. <laughs> it reminds me of that episode of Seinfeld where he doesn't drink coffee at all, right? He's really sensitive to caffeine. So they start giving him herba mate without telling him it has caffeine in it. Yeah. And then he's just <laughs> buzzing the whole episode. <laughs> I didn't see that episode. I'm going to have to no, watch it's that funny. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. funny. It's it, it has a really earthy taste to it. So it takes yeah. a minute to get used to it. But it, it kind of reminds me of green tea in a lot of ways. Yeah, exactly. A little That's, bit more yeah, earthy. Yeah. A little yeah. honey goes a, lo- a long way with both of those type teas, man. Yeah. And Argentinians are addicted to it. If you ever go to Buenos Aires, I mean, they drink it nonstop. I, I really know. don't know how, how they do it, how they sleep at night. They only drink <laughs> two incredible. things, Claudia. They only drink herba mate tea and wine. And let's yeah. just admit, you guys got some great wine. Okay. Yeah, it's yeah. true. Yeah, they love their wine and coffee sometimes too. The like, you know, the Italian tradition is yes. sort of infiltrated, and sometimes you see people having an espresso at ten or eleven at night. Yeah. And that I really don't get. I I just don't understand that. I don't know about you, but me being in sort of like yoga, I go to sleep early, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, that's part of saying no to certain things. <laughs> I right. just have to get my ten, eleven, twelve hours of sleep every day. It, it has to happen. So we're really 13, got you into 14, that. Even nicer. So what got you really into yoga? You know, I know you're a big proponent of yoga. And like I said, you just mentioned you practice Ashtanga, which is a very intense, you know, type of yoga. And I, I, I love it. It works for me. It's like one of my favorite styles. But really, what got you into that? Ah, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, actually, I think what got me into it is that I needed something that A, would bleed me out, but also that it would give me a challenge because every class I was going for yoga, I was just falling asleep. <laughs> and this one, <laughs> this one had two elements that I think that the, the founder of Ashtanga Yoga was a little bit of a genius. He made it a, into a competition. There are, you know, series, first series, second series, third series. And so that immediately appeals to the, the human brain and trying to compete. Oh, what series are you on? <laughs> Oh, wait, can you do that pose? Because I can. And, you know, 
I'm not saying I'm like that, although of course I am. But <laughs> if, you know, people get like that, and um, and so the the competitive thing um had a lot to do with it, and also the fact that if you wanted to be a teacher or something, you had to be sort of authorized mm-hmm. by India made it intriguing and interesting. Although I let go of all of that by now, um, I've decided to choose myself. Right. Uh, <laughs> another but, great um, book. Yes. Another good book, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, you know, it's, 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 it really is... Um, I find it to be more a movement than a, than a book because if if I don't do that, if I keep waiting for people to give me permissions to do things, then it it, it will just never happen. Right. Exactly. Especially, you know, like um, I'm a foreigner, I have an accent, so I already have some barriers that people have to overcome, and I have to be like, no, I'm really, I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, it's, it's fine. And so I, I do have to take... Um, over my own destiny. Otherwise, it will never happen. And I, I think I, that's true for everyone, right? I mean, if you don't take charge of your life, no one's going to do it for you. Of course. And so, yeah. how, so why sh- why should people in the, why, why should people say no? Let's start yeah. there. Yeah, um, I think people should say no. Well, people should do whatever they want to do. Uh, <laughs> I I should say me myself uh, should say no a lot more. And um, I tend to say yes to everything. I think in general, we're very caring people. You both are in the in the industry of giving, teaching, sharing, making others uh, get stronger. And so we get used to having this easy yes. Although, uh, Mike, you were saying you got very good at the saying no, which is wonderful. Um, but, you know, there are several, there are many, many levels of no. There, right. there is a no, which may sound simple, like don't jump off a bridge. Although <laughs> right. the press, that may not be so simple. But there are others uh-huh. that are more subtle, like, you know, say no to a toxic relationship. Right. Uh, say no to, you know, that guy that keeps calling you and then sleeps with you and then doesn't call you for six months. I'm not saying that was me, but that totally was me. Sincere, are you there? Say no to Skype. <laughs> yeah, we need to say no to Skype. Exactly. Oh my God. <laughs> Every once in a while, we get these, I don't know, like a paranormal event where Skype just shuts off or, or where one of us is still talking and, exactly. and the rest of us are gone or two of us oh. are on and one's gone. But I think, I think we're all back here. Yeah. It probably happens at key moments. I yeah, guess, exa- exactly. Where someone is burying their soul. As soon as Mike, exactly. Mike is getting ready to get on a roll and all of a sudden it's like, nope, not nope. No, we, I mean, we have, we have some very personal questions we'll be asking you about stuff you go into in your book. And that's probably when Skype is going to cut you off. You're going to be right in the middle. You're going to be tearing up talking about something and we're not going to hear it anymore. Oh, can you, re- can you repeat all of that again, Claudia? Thanks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it has that effect. But yeah, I do tell a lot of uh, very personal stories in the book. I, I'm not sure whether it will help anyone or not. That's beyond my control. But I do know that me being in the whole hearing others uh, talk about these things made me realize that I wasn't alone, you know, in, say, for example, obsessing over the wrong guy. <laughs> Which is something a lot of women can relate to. A lot of guys have been in toxic relationships as well. So I think I think we can all relate to that one. Why do you think it's so hard for people to say no? I mean, a lot of times your intuition tells you, get out of this situation. You know what you need to do. Your guts yet is you like, still don't. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. You you do know um, uh, at some visceral level, but I think I literally think there is an addictive thing. There is an addictive component. So say, for example, I would look at a photograph or a, some guy and I would just see a muscle 
and I would build a story around the muscle that this guy had. And he sort of fit perfectly into a photograph I had of, you know, a house with two and a half kids and a white picket fence. And then I would go behind the guy and try to get the guy to fit into my photograph. And these guys would run away from the woods, which they should. Of I'm, the, I'm that guy who would run too. I would go on dates with women. They, they would be talking about kids, and I'm going, you know, I'm going to go to the men's room real quick. Yes, <laughs> and you should. And disappear like where is the window how do i get out you should of course because that i wasn't paying attention to the person i had in front of me i was just trying to make them feed into what i wanted to have regardless of the fact that and it's because you get addicted to this high that you get oh am i gonna get him am i gonna you know if i flirt with him or if i put a a skirt that is a little bit shorter will that (laughs) kind of like intrigue him will i cause some kind of an energy and that happens all the time and until uh, you get you, you know nobody can point it out to you is a problem uh you can only see it in yourself i got hurt so many times with this that finally one day was like you know what i got what what is it that i'm doing <laughs> that no man ever loves me or respects me and uh and and it was when i was ready to to realize what i was doing that i actually did and I ended up going to some meetings, support meetings, and uh, and and that was helpful because I saw other people in the middle of it. And guess what I did at the support meetings? I found another guy. What what was the name of the what was this support meeting actually called? There is a meeting called Sex and Love Addict, um, Sex and Love Addicts. And um, they have subdivisions. So there's people who are addicted to sex. There are people who are addicted to love. Um, and there, there are people who are anorexic, meaning that they, they stay home um, forever and never socialize because they're scared. There's a, a lot of issues around relationships because of the times we live in. And I found, and I have no Harvard study backing me on this. This is totally my own observation. I find that men tend to be more oriented towards the sex and the pornography side of things, while women tend to go more on the love um, component of it and trying to fantasize and right. and control things with their minds and so on and so forth. But, of yeah. course, there is a cross um, of of, of things, you know. Right. Yeah, I don't think yeah. we need a stu- I don't think we need a study to confirm that. Yeah, exactly. I think, <laughs> I think, all you I think is, that's definitely a all fact. All you do is go to a bar and you'll see. Just watch one guy and watch how many. Watch how he gets whiplash. Watch how many times he turns his neck left and right. Like, oh, look at that girl. Look at that girl. Look at that girl. Look at her. This squirrel syndrome. So that right there already backs up. You know, it's like, hey, girl, girl, squirrel, girl. You know, we're just all over the place. We have such ADD because we're so visual. Yeah. We're so visual. I mean, so yeah, I don't think you need a study to back that up. All you have to do is just do, sit back you. and do your own study. And just watch us. Well, I mean, just watch us walking down the mall. I mean, even when even when guys are with their lady, we're still gonna look. So it's always good to have a lady that that's very secure enough to say, "Oh man, look at her ass." You know, like, oh, thank, <laughs> thank you, baby, because I was thinking the same thing. But but then we can't get too far into. It. We got to play it off like, yeah, her butt was okay. Now what, yeah. you, what you do is there's this one comedian who says you can you can look at any woman you want when you're with your woman. All you have to do is just be negative about it. like look what she's wearing. Look how, look, how, look how short that skirt is. Oh, ridiculous. You can see uh... everything. That's what I just said. I was like when she said like oh she's got a great ass. I'm like yeah it's okay. It's a little flat. I mean it could be bigger. <laughs> you know you always got to kind of throw you got to deflect. You can't be like oh hell yeah she had a banging ass baby. Dude. Well, that that's an obvious sign that a guy is doing that. I remember I was in line <laughs> in Vegas coming out of a club one time, and there was a guy behind me, and then these two young ladies walked by with what we like to call skirt shirts, you know, really short <laughs> skirts. <laughs> and 
this one guy's like sluts. And then I turned around <laughs> and looked at the dude and I was like, okay, obviously you had your, you were eyeballing them. Your woman noticed. And now you have to say something negative to try to protect yourself here. Like, Oh, yeah. that's the reason why I was looking terrible. Look at the way, look at exactly. the way. They're it, it, our problem is we just can't take our eyes. We, we need to do more like, like a lot of women, they can just see, like you just said, Claudia, you had made up this story and everything else. We're looking at one muscle. But the thing is you looked at the muscle and moved on and women can sit right. there and get one glance and they already have seen us naked. They already know how ripped we are. <laughs> they already know that, okay, he probably just by the way he walked when he was walking in front of me, I'm pretty sure he's good in bed because he has a nice little rhythm to his walk. They've gathered all that in a millisecond. We're too slow yeah. and stupid to do that. We're like, man, and we're just staring and staring. And then we're just, by the time she finally walks off, we're like, hmm, I wonder how she looks yeah. naked. It, yeah, that was 10 seconds ago, dude. You were staring a little right. too long and now you got caught. <laughs> but it's, and you know, <laughs> You know, part of it is evolutionary. You know, as a woman, if I get pregnant, I'm stuck with a kid for 20 years while the guy can go on and spread seeds and have children with so and keep the, you know, his genes going. Right. Uh, so um, th there is that component. But I think um, since, I don't know, 100 years ago with the movie industry and what we're fed, uh, stories that come through television and, mm -hmm. um, you know, we're very sensitive to all of these and, and these stories is going just to give you an, a very very okay the way my mind works is kind of very very silly sometimes sometimes it's intelligent most of the time it's innocent. <laughs> but i saw an episode of sex and the city the tv show on hbo mike's which, favorite uh, yeah, Mike's that, favorite. Yeah, I'm sure well, he's Mike's favorite. Especially, yeah. especially the rim job episode. That's one of my favorite. <laughs> no, the spunky oh, sperm was my favorite one. episode. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm Jesus. sure. I'm sure that's the episode Claudia is about to talk about. You know? <laughs> I don't know about those episodes, but I'll tell you about this one. Miranda, who is uh, the lawyer, she's the independent woman. You know, uh, she buys herself an apartment in New York City, and the whole story goes around the lawyer saying, "What? You're paying with your own money? You, a woman?" What? So that was, you know, the whole point. Uh, but she does. She pays with her own money. And immediately after buying her apartment, she gets a marriage proposal from her boyfriend. And so I put two and two together from television into my head that, oh, I buy an apartment with my own money. I get a marriage proposal. Huh. I'll go and buy myself a house I cannot afford. I have no idea how to like. Let me tell you, I lived in the Home Depot for five years. Like I was more <laughs> likely to marry a Home Depot guy did than anyone see, did else. Did you see Sincere there? He used to work there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember seeing Sincere. I don't see his face here on, on the Skype. I may have to look him up. It may have been that we crossed paths. Uh, but I'll tell you what, I got the marriage proposal actually when I sold that house. And after I call it, I got my MBA in why I shouldn't have a house because it was a nightmare to, to just have a house. So there are all these messages from society that come in that may or may not be correct for us, but that if we're not prepared or if we don't pay attention and put our no in place, then we just go for things, you know, and like willy nilly. And then we get into trouble, major trouble, like quarter of a million dollar trouble. Yeah. And, um, and then what do you do? It, it gets really, really difficult. Now, you think yes, about yeah. how many problems you have in life are because you're trying to meet the expectations of others. Exactly. Often people that you don't even know, your neighbors who you never talk to, someone you work with who you barely know. I mean, that's what gets us into a lot of trouble. So why do, why do so, much, so much of us spend so much time trying to meet Keep the expectations the Joneses, of others? You know, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think and, we want to be liked and, exactly. and that. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just that it's, it's very difficult to, 
sometimes just say, listen, I like you, and, and I'm still going to say no. <laughs> yeah, I think that's where it comes from right there. We're, so many people looking for outside sources to accept them, but the thing is, they can't do something that you can't do. So, and the thing is, you haven't accepted yourself, so that's why you're trying to be all these things that you're not. And guess what? People see right through that, so they're going to treat you that way. So, if you're trying to be the fake, they're going to treat you like a fake. So, they're not going to be authentic yes. with you, and you can't be authentic with yourself. People see right through bullshit right away. Yeah. And that's the thing, and the real changes happen just right there. And it's funny that you brought up television because that is a breeding ground for learning how to say no. Starting with just commercials, how to just try to manipulate you. When they sit there and they tell you like this certain food is, this is what's good for you. You know, you need to eat whole grains because of this, or you need to eat, you know, you know, here's the other white meat, or you need to, you need to be buying this because that's what's hot. This, and this, this past week was fashion week. So now everybody's like, oh, I need to go buy this because that's the trend that's out right now. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. want to get behind the times and, you know, wear these old clothes from last spring. Okay. You know, last spring was six months ago, right? <laughs> so it's not like it's like you're doing a throwback to the 50s or something like that. But they're right. constantly being manipulated. And that's what marketing marketing is all about, just manipulating you to get your dollars. So you need to learn yes. how to say no. So. Yes, I, I agree completely. And I think there is also, uh, you know, because I, I do believe that um, making money and, and doing the things that you love is important. There is a good way to market as well, which right. is just right. the truth. Exactly. Like, for example, if, if you see the results in, in what you're doing, um, uh, for example, Mike, with this concept, I, which is new to me, and I really want to delve into of using this tool that you use for for a workout, it's called, a, I'm sorry, it's the first oh, the time. Kettlebell? The kettlebell? Yes, the yeah. kettlebell. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really interesting, and, and I know it works for you because I see your photograph. Um, oh, thank you. So... Yeah, th- there is a way in which y- you can share from your own experience and this is what works for me and that's a marketing that I think is is real rather than me trying to tell you this is the other white meat so that you right. you will think that this is okay and um, I think and, that's the most effective yeah. marketing. Selling your story. Picked up. Yeah, when I, that's what I picked up from both you and James is you tell so many of your own stories of what worked for you, what benefited from you and there really isn't anything more powerful than that because it's authentic. That's why right. I would with my business model, I never want to recommend anything, whether it's a nutrition supplement or a workout program that I haven't personally benefited from. Right. Because I feel that keeps everything transparent and it keeps everything real. Yes. And that's what we need right now, I believe. Um, uh the real thing, you know, and and nobody has it so that there's never a failure and there's never a problem. We all have troubles. Exactly. <laughs> it's just like a, it's a fact of life. We're not always excelling all the time. And uh, I know f- from my own life, I mean, I don't know, maybe some people are, but definitely not for me. So <laughs> and, and I find that when I make a mistake, um, it gives permissions to, to others to also recognize, oh, oh, yeah, I've done that, too. And maybe there's an Another way, right. um, so so sharing both the failures and the successes and and what works for you in particular is definitely the way to go. And I like that type of marketing. I think it's then you're carrying the light, then you're carrying the truth, and you're helping others in a way that really really works for everybody. Yeah, yeah. people want that connection. They want to understand that you know it's not just me. And I think that's the reason why yes. so much reality TV is still on today because. It, at the time people were watching, even though it's not the best way of, you know, connecting with people, you kind of watching like, 
I thought my life was bad. Look at these idiots. Somebody, well, I, think, I think that's why it's popular, C-Series, exactly. because pe- people are looking at their life going, man, my life sucks. And then they watch an episode of Honey Boo Boo, and, and they, they go, like, well, you know well, what? Maybe it's that not bad. that bad. Right. <laughs> my, it could be worse. I could be Honey Boo Boo. She's had to grow up in that family, so my family's not that bad when I think about it now. That's true. That's true. Yeah, it gives you this feeling of uh, somewhat I'm superior in this level. Exactly. So uh, at least I have something together. <laughs> going on for me well it's kind but, of know, a sad oh, i'm sorry yeah. go ahead go ahead claudia i think the biggest challenge for me is to actually come out of television because i find um to really focus on my work like the, the final sort of no where you go into silence and and connect with spirit which happens so seldom in our I society agree. like we're, we're constantly you know from the moment i wake up the phone starts vibrating and ringing and telling me yeah. things about twitter and facebook <laughs> and this and that and there's a million things going on and and and, and to really find the time for practice even uh to, to say no this is this is my time I'm, I'm going in. I'm going even, into the silence. Yeah, if I even just mention meditation to someone, they're like, oh, I don't have time to meditate, man. I'm like, 10 minutes? You don't have 10 minutes, dude? You know, and they were like, well, what do I, what do, I do in 10 minutes? Exactly. Nothing. <laughs> to, <laughs> to my, you don't have to do anything. That's the thing. You're not doing anything. You're just going to be. Yeah. And then they think it's all woo when you say just be. Like, oh, I don't know about all that. I just can't relax and be. Okay, you don't have to be relaxed. You can be very intense when you do nothing. Okay, if that yes, makes you feel yes. better. You can in, intently just really just be like, oh, I'm going to focus and not, not do a thing. Okay, I'm going to yes. go into a dark place. And I always tell everybody, I said, you know, one place, well, I can't find a place that's quiet. I said, you know, the one place where no one really wants to deal with you, especially men. I said, go into a bathroom, turn off the lights, mm-hmm. shut it. Nine times out of ten, especially when if your wife is not there, because they're like, oh, my wife always comes to the bathroom. Do it when she's not home. And guess what? No one else, the kids don't want to come to the bathroom when you're there, because they're going to sit there like, oh, God, Dad, you're making a funk in there, man. So, you know, so they just know to naturally not go there. So go in there, they're, especially if you have a, a bathroom with no windows. That's the best thing ever. And if you have to, turn the fan on, so therefore it's blocking out any outside noise. And just focus on the fan. Next thing you know, 10 minutes, 20 minutes has gone by, and all you're doing is just been focusing on your breathing in the fan. And next thing you know, you're like, huh. That was pretty good. I feel like I'm more energized now. I can get back to doing what I was doing. So, I hear, I hear, I hear a book idea here. So <laughs> ba- bathroom meditation. Exactly. You know? <laughs> it's going to be a bunch of guys in the bathroom on the can reading your book. Come on, let go when you have to go. That's going to be the name of the book right there. <laughs> I love that. Now, and I don't know what's going on in your household since here, where you said you said your wife's always trying to get in the bathroom when you're there. What's going on? <laughs> I'm like, I can't focus, woman. Get out of here. <laughs> oh man. But you know, I really like the way you described it because I I'll say it right out loud. I hate the word meditation because I think it's been so overused you know there are certain styles that charge you a thousand dollars to give you a mantra okay yeah to supposedly teach you something that cannot be taught like in yoga when you look at it nobody can do meditation meditation happens right. once you set the conditions right, which is you can quiet the mind, which in itself, it's like an Olympic feat, and then be concentrated in just one thing for a long time, say, for example, three hours. This is what the main yoga text says about meditation. That's right. how you get to it. And, you know, provided your body is healthy, you're not stealing, you're not uh, being uh, untruthful, you, you you know, your your life is in a, in a basic soup of okayness. And then um, you can see it, you can concentrate, and meditation can happen to you. So that's why I, whenever someone talks about this, it really is what you just said, Sincere. It's about um, just being in silence, just, just trying to look for the off 
pattern in the mind. And what happens when you do, if you attempt it often, is like when you go in the shower and suddenly you get an idea just because, (laughs) you know, you, you weren't obsessing about it. So you get inspiration rather than what we do, which is all the time we're like aspir- with aspiration, trying to get to our goals and to do things. If you quiet, then sometimes you get inspiration. Something comes from within and it's like, oh, wow, that, that, that's good. You know, like, I don't know, you just had a book idea right there. Meditation in the bathroom could be a success. <laughs> there you go. But those things okay. come from silence and right. come from when you really give yourself the chance to, to be quiet for a little bit. Yeah, exactly. I think so many people play the distraction game because they're afraid of what's going to happen if they don't keep the noise going. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, there's so many things you don't want to think about. Maybe things you've done, things that happened to you. And as long as you distract yourself, it's never going to come up. But what people don't realize is that it's, it's like a parasite that's eating away at you subconsciously it's so you busy. may be walking around thinking that you're you're fine but on an on a subconscious level or unconscious level even it's eating away at you and it's affecting all of your actions it's dictating everything that you do whether you you know realize it or not or want to admit it or not and that's another reason why i think so many people are afraid to meditate because they're like man the first time i did it man i just had all the stuff going through my head okay let it go i mean let it happen <laughs> so don't sit there and try to ignore it if someone says like you know you you need to really stop you know lying so much about your business man you know damn well that product's not working <laughs> You know, you're sitting there like, and you're like, you're like, who the hell said that? What was that voice? Who said that? <laughs> you, you can't tell me what to do. Get out of here. I'm trying to meditate. Be quiet. No. Somebody go ahead and listen to that voice because obviously that's your subconscious now finally selling you like, dude, stop BSing. We know a, this is a load of crap. Take that off your website and stop trying <laughs> yeah. to sell BS and, you know, and just that's- do it. You know, yeah, that is you guys just gave right there a lesson in meditation. Like if you keep bottling it up and stuff, it, it, that's what it is. Then you can you never get to feel the feeling that's underneath. And when you actually are brave enough, because that's the thing, this meditation or sitting in silence, that's the stuff of warriors to sit down in the quiet and observe that that comes up and not move to just feel it. That's the stuff of a real warrior. It really is because nobody likes to do that. It's a lot easier to get a drink or go watch, you know, Honey Boo than <laughs> to actually feel it. Oh, my God, that's what I'm feeling. Yeah, so, yeah the thing is, like, it's brave to have to actually give up control. And so right. many people feel like they're in such control of so many things, but you're really not. The more right. the more stuff you're doing, the more control you're giving up. And I think that's what it comes back to this whole power of no. You know, that's, that's the thing. So there's there's control right there. Instead of just like, you know what? I'm not going to sit in and just sit on, on Facebook all day. I'm not going to sit in and watch TV all day. I'm actually going to sit here for at least 10 minutes in silence. I'm going to say no to all the distractions and, and therefore give up con- the control of all those distractions that I'm giving up to, you know, to those things or whatever and take a little control of my own by doing nothing. And it's such a paradox to so many people to, to think about, OK, by me doing nothing, I'm doing a lot of things. I'm doing something great. You know, that doesn't even make sense. Well, it, yeah, exactly. It doesn't make sense to you right now until you start until you doing try. it. And when you do it, you realize, oh, crap. This I yeah. like. And then you get addicted mm-hmm. to it. You kind of like tell someone, no, I can't talk to you, man. I got to go meditate. Leave me alone. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> you just ignore the call. Like, dude, stop calling me. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. what's happening. That's like a good addiction to have. Yeah. Mike has on his website a, a quote uh, from Gandhi, which mm-hmm. I really like, that where uh, I'm paraphrasing. Uh, Gandhi says something like, um, whatever you do is going to be insignificant, you know, which I, I love it because he right. <laughs> throws you right off the horse. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you have to do it anyway. Right. Yeah, I love that yeah, line. Exactly. I love it, that line because I have a lot never of, heard. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. No, no, it's wonderful. Why do you yeah. love it? 
I, I like it so much because I think sometimes we take ourselves so seriously and we take all of our ideas and our actions so seriously at, at times that we have to remember that in the big scheme of the universe in existence, we're less than a speck. Mm-hmm. So right. what that means is that don't waste time trying to just keep everyone around you, try, trying to fulfill obligations or false obligations of people around you, because it does, it's not going to matter. What's going to matter is being true to yourself and putting out your important message. You know, That's something that's actually going to make some difference. Yes. But I think at the same time, a lot of times people st- overly stress over things because they look at their goals and what they're trying to accomplish and they just have a lot of anxiety over it. And I think it's great to have goals. It's great to try to achieve things. But at some point, you have to just let go a little bit and then yes. and realize that you're not that important in the big scheme of things. It doesn't mean that you don't have any self-worth and that you're just, well, I'm not important, so I'm not going to do anything. That's not what I mean at all. It just means that don't take yourself so seriously. Relax That's a little right. bit. <laughs> you know? and, right. do, and do what you know you have to do. You know, you have an important message, so work on putting it out. Yeah. Like, yeah. Get it out. And when it comes to, to, you know, we're always trying to please people and stuff like that. Um, I, I think a, a great test is to, 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 to practice saying no to people. And then whoever takes offense to that, to always <laughs> realize that it's about them exactly. and not about you. Right. And also kind of weed out who is your tribe because those who care for you will understand. And and I, I believe surrounding yourself with people who are supportive of your message and what you have to do is critical yeah, because then otherwise, if you are always around people who don't like anything you do, you're never going to do anything. Right, right. I mean, you, talk, you talk about that, too, where let's say you have an idea and someone around you is like, oh, come on. You're not going to be able to make that work. It's like, well, why do, why do I need that person in my life? Exactly. exactly. You know, I, don't, I don't need to hear that crap, you know, because we have enough. We're going to have enough doubt about whatever we try to do as it is. So the last thing I need is some jack off. Yeah, doubt validator right here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I remember when I yeah. when I launched one of my supplements before I did it, there was a guy who was trying to get me to design it for him his company and he's going, look, you know, you don't, you don't have the, the resources to do this on your own and so forth. And I'm like, well, I mean, he didn't realize that he, he's the, he, all of these dumb things he said is what provoked me right. to do it on my own because <laughs> I was like, who are you to tell me that I can't do any of these things? And I was looking at him and his business partner. I was like, look, if you two idiots can make this stuff happen, I know I can. <laughs> That's for sure. I but, love your self-confidence. Yeah. No, I, I just don't like people telling me what I can or can't do. That, of that, course. that, that already irritates me. I think a lot of us feel that way way. But that that goes back to the power of no as well, is that don't let those kind of people in your life. If I, I don't want people, I mean, I'm not saying I want people that are just superficially supporting anything I do, because there's a real friend is going to give you some constructive feedback. Mm-hmm. So if right. you come up with some dumb idea, a real friend's going to say, look, you know, think this thing through, here's the pros and cons. That's all useful. But at the same time, there's, there's a lot of people who, who don't want to do anything with their life. So when yeah. these, whenever they see someone else stepping out of that, they want to they want to create impediments for that person because seeing someone else successful makes it basically just magnifies their lack of initiative. Exactly. They don't want to be that exactly. crab. They don't want to be they want more crabs at the bottom of that barrel with them. <laughs> right. Okay, and that's the thing about it. And it's one of the things I always tell my kids all the time. I said, look, other people's insecurities are none of your business. I said, if you don't take anything, if you don't learn anything from your dad, take that with you for the rest of your life. And trust me, everything else will work itself out if you just stick to that. Other people's insecurities that's, are none of your business. And so when they say something lesson. negative, don't take offense to it because it had nothing to do with you. If they say like, Psh, you can't do that, you're like, hmm, okay. 
So that's obviously them because they can't do that. They're just speaking in third person. Okay, so let them have it. You know, let them sit there and talk like The Rock and speak in third person. But they're referring to themselves. That you is actually them and not you personally. That's how you should look at it. And I find that happens a lot with family members, Um, especially with family members, the ones that really know how to touch your buttons. And usually it happens when suddenly you find something you like doing and (laughs) you start stepping up because the problem is these people who've been close to you all their lives, then they have a choice. They can either step up and shine their own light or they can hate you because you are you are and they aren't. And uh, and that's where you get the Facebook messages, you know, I hate you or they email all of your (laughs) friends in Facebook. Facebook. Yeah. I literally had this situation. Wow, I was about to say, me. whoa. So <laughs> that's it, just it, some it real cowardice. Happen. Yeah, yeah, that's just some real cowardice on on these people that you're never going to meet in your life. You know, a lot of times we get disheartened when we get this negative feedback, and I always bring it back to a balance point of who are these people? <laughs> you know, right. I mean, these I'm never going to meet these people. And, it, and if they saw me somewhere, would they come up and say any of this stuff? <laughs> of course not. You know, they're. They're ju- they're just working out their own cowardice through the anonymity of the internet, and you know I don't need to waste time with people like that. But you bring up a really good point because I actually have a degree in religious studies, right? When I went to college, I majored in religious studies with a focus on Eastern religions, mm-hmm. and I remember my father was going, "You're not going to bother get a job with that. You know what are you doing with that?" And he well, he was he wasn't. I mean, he 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 didn't say, "I'm not going to support you in college if you major in religious studies," but he was definitely against that. And in, and in his own way, he was trying to be positive in the sense that. He didn't think it was in my best interest to go down that path. But at the same time, to give him some credit, once I stood my ground and I went all the way through, he just backed off. So I think Mm, in some ways he wanted to challenge you and just see if you're serious about stuff. But it ended up being the best thing for me because I went from just coasting through college, not that excited, to all of a sudden I got really passionate about something. Mm. I started getting on the dean's list and getting great grades, not because I was pursuing those, but as a side effect of doing something I really enjoyed. And it was an an important lesson as a young man to learn that I'm only going to be good at at things that I actually enjoy. I'm not going to be good at some nine to five job where I'm just punching in hours. It has to be something I'm passionate about. And it was a great lesson to learn early on. And it was also a strong lesson in that a lot of people around you are telling you the same thing. They're going, look, you need to major in business or psychology or something that's more practical. And at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what you major in. (laughs) <laughs> because no no one's hiring anyone out of college because of some major. You don't have exactly. any work experience. You <laughs> might as well you might as well just you might as well just focus on something you enjoy and not worry about where it's gonna take you because you're you're not marketable as a college student anyway. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, a college degree nowadays gets you to Best Buy. <laughs> exactly. You really need to go for what you, you're passionate for and, right. and put the time into it. I, I agree completely. And I think your father did a great thing there. He kind of did you a service by being a little bit like, mm, I don't know. He, 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 he got you more passionate about it. So that, that's no, very my, interesting my how it works. Because I, I used to sit around in my free time just reading training books and nutrition books all the time. And I remember my mother came up to me when I was 19 and she goes, you know, my mother's from India. She's like, if you spent this much time on your studies, you'd have straight days. <laughs> you know? And I was like, oh, bless her. I, always, I always laugh at her. Now I go, look at all the success I've had in the fitness business, mom. I go, it all started from all those years I spent not making a dime, just reading it for the pure love, just researching it for the pure love of doing it for the sake of doing it. And, you know, now she's like, yeah, good for you. So I think yeah. I think I think it's good for parents to challenge their kids. But at the same time, get out of their way exactly. once they right. once exactly. they have shown that, hey, look, they're going to do this and they're serious about it. Get out of the way. Now. If they obsess Absolutely. over it, then, you know, hey, show them away, especially like for 
people in our position. Like if we're entrepreneurs, like, you know, I tell my daughter all the time, I was like, well, all your friends love your drawings. Why are you not charging them? Don't just make them for free. You know, charge them at least a five, like a couple of dollars or whatever now. I said, so the thing is, this is your art. You know, now make it your business. We already know it's your passion. You've been doing it since you were like in kindergarten. You know, and everybody's always giving you props and they want these drawings or whatever. Like these kids, they've got a dollar or two, you know, and it just starts <laughs> from there. And then she was like, she's been like that ever since like sixth grade. And she started charging for that. So she started making money with it. And same That's thing with my right. son. He's the same way. He's always giving marketing advice and all to all his little, all his friends, especially during high school and all that, because he picked up so much information from myself and my wife. And I was like, well, dude, it's like this. Like, well, if you're going to, why don't you just create your own business? And tomorrow you can coach these guys. Why not? If they want to do a little business on the side or whatever, help them, you know, but charge them. And he did it. And it's helped him out. It helped, pay, it helped pay for college for him, too, because I told him, number one, it's like, look, dude, if you want to go to college, you're going to pay for it because that's right. the only way he's going to appreciate it. If I pay for everything, how can he really appreciate it that way? But when it's coming out of his pocket and it's his scholarships and it's going to be, you know, it's going to be his work study program and all that. So coming from his checks, then guess what? He's going to bust his ass and get it done because otherwise who's going to pay for it? So I'm like, if you really want to do it, then you're going to take care of it. And it's right. teaching him an early lesson or whatever. So that's what he, now he's got like three different three different businesses going on while he's in school, plus work study. But still that's able amazing. to still and have a full load at the same time. But then, you know, lucky for him, they have like online classes that he can take now, you know, as part of his curriculum. I was like, man, if I had if I had that option back when I was in college, I probably would not have gone to college very long. <laughs> so like mm-hmm. you can mm-hmm. give me that mm-hmm. much freedom at 17 years old, man. When you say like, oh, you can take like four of these classes online and just have to go to other just to go to the lab once a week. So it's, it's helped that he's learned from all the things that I did wrong in college. You know, because I told him, I said, yeah, that first semester, we're not even going to talk about that. Let's not even talk about my grades the first semester. Because <laughs> yeah. again, I was 17. I didn't really have a an example to go by at that time. I was like one of the first people in my family to go to college. You know, whereas by the time my son went, you had a better example. So I'm like, look, no loans, no student loans at all. If you if you can't pay for it, don't go. Don't do that. Because it's so funny. I saw a meme that said that, you know, you sit there and you, you save all your money to go to college so you can get a good job. But then you get a job so you can save all your money and pay for college. And then the exactly. circle just goes on. It's like, this doesn't make any damn sense. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and not point? only that, but, you know, I went to college for economics as an adult. I pay my way through it because yeah. I was brainwashed into believing that I needed a college degree. Right. And all I remember from the five years I went to school is the opportunity cost. That's the only thing that, you know, everything <laughs> you do right now has the cost that you're not doing something else. Yeah, That's right. the only thing I remember from five years of economics. Yeah. Uh, However, if you talk to me about yoga, I, I, I can talk for hours right. because I'm passionate about it. So why not just go for the passion? And I think right. the world is changing. Mm-hmm. I think more and more of these, you know, kids who do choose to go to college can have a lot more time and focus on their passions and start business like your kids are doing, which is wonderful. And just get out in the real world because college to me feels a little bit like extended babysitting. That's also <laughs> yeah. incredibly expensive, right. you know, just so the kids will socialize or drink or do drugs or experiment, right. whatever it is they want to do. Um, it doesn't have to leave them crippled with debt for like the rest of their lives. Right. It just sounds very, very scary. We have a policy at home. The kids are not to go to college because it's not only a waste of money, but it's a waste of time. However, if they want to go, just like you're saying, Sincere, they better find a way because right. it's not coming out of my wallet. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I've, I've already paid my dues. I've already given th- that educational system and that loan system all the money they're going to ever get. And guess what? Once it was over, Never again. And I meant that in all aspects of my life, not just for me, for my children, for anyone that even comes to me like, hey, can I get some, some money so I can go to school? No, 
No, not doing it. That's a bad investment. I've already lost money in that stock market, you know, investment already. So, and that's a tough note to say because yeah. college is like American religion. Yes, if, yes. If you say to someone, "I believe Jesus Christ resurrected," they're like, "Yeah, whatever." But if you say, mm -hmm. you know, uh, "Don't go to college," they want to crucify oh you gosh, yes. on, on Times Square. Well, it's changed. I, yeah, exactly. The, because the conversation is it. changing, mm -hmm. but but it's not so mainstream just yet because the the fifteen year old, my stepdaughter, I mean, she's already being brainwashed i can i can hear it in the things she says yeah. which were not in her vocabulary a year or two ago that come from her school yeah it's, it's a machine yes. uh, that that really produces zero value at this point other than get a job at best buy which you can get <laughs> with a high school diploma exactly it's very fear-based because basically often when i when i was in high school when i graduated in 1992 if you didn't go to college basically you were a failure you, you were inundated <laughs> with so much fear that you you would think that you wouldn't be able to get past pumping gas at a gas station <laughs> exactly. for the rest of your life. You know, it was that level. It was that level of fear. Like you're going to be a total loser if you don't go to college. You're going to be doing menial labor, that kind of. You're thing. You're working at McDonald's. Like, okay, well, what if I end up becoming manager and then eventually own my own McDonald's because I didn't go to college? <laughs> What's wrong with that? And then they have nothing right? to say. <laughs> it's like so. I think the I think the thing about college is this. I, I like what both of you were saying in the sense that if if you want to go, then you. You have to show you have to have a substantial reason for why you want to go. Number one, don't just go for the sake of going. But my college experience, I, I definitely have my reservations about college as well. But my overall experience was very good because I had the courage to pursue a major that actually excited me. It was something mm, I was really right. passionate about. If I just went to college and majored in economics or business, business or other things yeah. that I could care less about. It wouldn't have been a fun four years, but once I found religious studies and I had some great teachers and I started getting into Sufism and Buddhism and Hinduism and a lot of things that I grew up with that I was able to get into a lot more, it gave me a strong life philosophy that has guided me since then. Now, I didn't have to go to college to get that. So you mm -hmm. can just read a bunch of books on your own, which is essentially what I did. I went way beyond the class material and I just read tons. You of were passionate about it. Exactly. You loved it. Yeah. It was in you. Even if you weren't in, in college, you would have pursued it because Absolutely. you loved it. It just light you on fire. And things are very different now, too, than in the 90s. Sure. Uh, you know, now you have, I think, the, the entire MIT curriculum for certain. is online uh, for free. Yeah. It's all online yeah. and, and so true. on and so forth. So uh, it's a completely different world. It's just um, I'm happy about it because it means a lot of people are going to break free from the 9 to 5. A lot of people are going to pursue their passions. And it's, it's just it's a different world. And, and it's an exciting time to be on. And I think if you can say no to the, the, the silly things that sort of block you and get you in debt and, and, and you know, that those silly mistakes, if you can avoid them, then um, you can live a much more fulfilling life. Right. Absolutely. And live your own life. That's the first thing. And say no. Like if your parents are like, oh, you need to be a doctor, and they, you know, which I see in so many cultures, like you either need to be a lawyer or a doctor, or you're going to be a failure. You know, engineer. you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, or an engineer, <laughs> <Yeah>. exactly. <laughs> so you know, once you can say no, they're like, well, you know what? I mean, I've seen so many friends, and it's like it's because of the cultures. Because my wife, she's Middle Eastern, so I see a lot of her friends who are Middle Eastern. It's like, oh, well, you're not a doctor. You're not a nurse. You're, you're, hmm. Then what are you doing? You're not an engineer. Then what do you plan on doing? It's like, or you're not married to this type of person. Or you're not married to someone who's in this religion, and all these, all these hangups. And of course, I married the black sheep of all the whole culture. You know, so I mean, <laughs> well, better yet, she married the black sheep. You know, which went against <laughs> her culture because she, she's one of those people that you can't tell her what to do. And especially if you say, well, it's just because that's our, that's just tradition. You know, and I've, I've been the same way. I never liked traditions. You know, just I'm like, so what? If it's a tradition, it doesn't make it right. 
So, I mean, come on. So my thing is, and especially if it doesn't resonate with me. So I just wish so many people would do what resonates with them and don't, you know, it's, it's okay to, you know, it's good to respect your family, especially your, your parents. It's good to respect them, but they also have to respect you, especially when you become an adult. You know, as long as they're yes. paying the bills, it's kind of only so much you can say. So my thing is, grow up, turn 18, get the hell out of the house, so therefore, they're not paying the <laughs> bills anymore, and therefore, you know, they can give their opinion, but they can't vote on how you live your life. That's the well, thing. Well, I, I think people will respect you more when you take charge for what you want to do. Right. They may not believe that it's going to work. They may have doubts, but if you have the courage and tenacity to pursue it and not let go, then ultimately, people have to respect exactly. it. Especially, especially when you make it work. Once you make something work, I mean, what can they the, say? The whole, the whole respect <laughs> train comes out in droves. You know? It does, it's, doesn't it? Yeah, it's before. It's that's why it's always better to tell people after you've done it rather than tell them before you're <laughs> right. thinking yeah, about doing it. Like, once, now you, I gotta do once it. you've done it, you've done it. <laughs> you know, it's what, done. And then yeah, their tune what, changes a bit after that. Instead of them like really disagreeing, they're like, you know what? You made it work. It wouldn't work for me. <laughs> but you know, you right. made it work. I'm like, didn't ask you if it's gonna work for you. Did I ever ask if it's gonna work for you? <laughs> you know, that's the thing about it, man. So yes, yeah. they, they're they're just totally oblivious. They don't understand how you made it work. You know, they, they don't even how'd know you what do it. Like, <laughs> now they want to know, like, how'd you do that, man? Because then all of a sudden, they're like, well, it must have been easy if he did it. So maybe I can do it. No, 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 no. That's where a lot of people get in trouble right there. Like, well, he made it look so easy. Yeah, because he's passionate about it. That's why it looks Nothing effortless. Nothing is easy, no matter how easy someone makes it look. It's it's hard work, and it, it always has been. But yeah. you know, one thing you you write about in the power of no, Claudia, that I really liked and got a good chuckle out of is the importance of cutting losses. And you give an example of your internet dating experience with a guy named Jake. <laughs> uh, that's a real email, by the way. Now, is that Jake's a, a real. Oh, that's real oh, name. Oh, okay. I thought you were doing a Lisa Loeb type thing when she made that song. Jake is like, okay, it's, it's an alias. Was he that bad of a guy? Oh, is that like jerk? <laughs> yeah, no. Jake jerk. Not I mean, Jake, I get it. Actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah, t- tell tell us that story real quick because it's a good one. Uh, yeah, that was very interesting to me. We were uh, I was dating. I had a, a lot of rules and things uh, to do it right. You know, I was going to be present and I was going to really listen. I had people I could call before and after. I had a support group, and I was ready to meet the right person. And uh, so this guy on paper from a website sounded great, and we agreed that we were going to meet um, in I think it was in Hoboken, which was little driving distance. I had a rule: a one-hour cup of tea, so nobody had to pay for dinner. And in one hour, you know, you pretty much can tell whether you like a person enough or not to to do a second date. So for me, it was a numbers um, game because I was after the real thing. And about five minutes before going on the date, um, Jake was his name. He emails me and he says, "Um, I really don't like you or something like that, you know, so have a good life, JK. And because he said JK and his name was Jake, I thought that was, you know, his initials, Jake, whatever, his last name. So I call him immediately and I'm like, what is up with this? And he says, well, that means just kidding. And um, something, I mean, I don't know if you as an American would have associated the JK with just kidding right away or not, if this was a foreign thing. But I did realize, however, that there was a joke and it was on me. We weren't <laughs> laughing together. Yeah, you know right, what I mean? Right, he was laughing right. at me. So it made me realize maybe there was one of those, uh, there's some kind of a rules book for guys where you put the woman down. And so then you have an advantage over the woman. Yeah, yeah, maybe right. he was playing that kind of a game. I don't know what he was playing, but he was playing. I wasn't laughing. And I was like, mm, no, this isn't going to work. <laughs> and he says to me, but uh, come on, let's get together. And I said, no, my intuition says no. And and he actually asked me, hasn't your intuition 
ever been wrong. And I was like, oh, my God, I cannot believe I am given the chance to answer that question as a woman in this world. Has my <laughs> intuition ever been wrong? No, <laughs> never. <laughs> Boom. That's what I was going for. I love that passage because a lot of times our, our intuition is not wrong. Us not listening to it is right. what causes us to go down the wrong path because I think about any major decision in my life, the intuition was always right. Whether I, I didn't always listen to it and that's right. why things went south. But you, you always know what you need to do in a situation. I, I right. think in this situation too, here's a guy who – he thinks he's being funny, but it's not funny. No, you don't. He, he, he doesn't. He doesn't know you. He doesn't know you well enough to make a joke like that, yeah, right? Because testing. right, he doesn't have <laughs> yeah, like an, an emotional bank account. Exactly. With me. It's not like he's uh, been out with yes. you for six months and he's making some joke like that. Ha ha. This is this is a text, so it's kind of cryptic already. Right. And I think I think he was doing exactly what you think he was doing. He was trying to put you down or trying to put himself on some kind of pedestal so that you're confused about what he's trying to say. And, and I think that, that's that a good might sign. work, that might work for a woman who has low self-esteem or who doesn't have a support group and, or who hasn't put thought into these and realize, you know what, I have value uh, for myself. Right. Uh, so a woman with high self-esteem will say, listen, I'm sorry, this isn't going to work. A woman with low self-esteem may, may fall for the game. Um, so it, it's important to recognize and, and, and to realize that we as women ha have a lot of value because all he had to do was shut up. And he had a date. <laughs> <laughs> right. And that's, that's usually the problem with men. We talk too much. It's like, dude, she already she already said yes a long time ago. When she actually paid attention to you and actually wanted to have a conversation with you, you don't have to keep trying now. Stop. <laughs> you, don't, right. you don't overdo it. Give it a moment. Give it a moment. <laughs> and the same goes for women, too. You know, I mean, it's right. not like we don't do that either. Absolutely. Uh, we, right. we, we also have a, a, a book called The Rules that did a lot of damage for a lot of women because these rules are all about how, how you can get control or get ahead of the guy or try to control or try to get him to do something or to fall for something. And tricks don't work in a real relationship. No. No, the yeah, only the Jedi, thing yeah. that works is to be honest. Yeah, yeah especially absolutely. like the Jedi mind trick. Even like with um, when I was reading that blog post by James, when he was talking about before he met you, like the one lady that he was dating and she kept breaking up with him like at least once a week. But, you know, one of the first <laughs> questions out of her mouth in the elevator when they like just met each other, no less than 10 minutes later in the elevator, what's your net worth? What? Can you it's like, that? Are you serious? And we just met on the elevator and right out of your mouth, you're going to ask. And, me you know, <laughs> I am so grateful to that woman who said to James, yes, what's good your network? <laughs> because in asking, in thinking about a number, she failed to see what she had in front of him, exactly. which was James. Right. And <laughs> so or, or the other lady, that, or the other one that told her that he needs to, you know, get a haircut and everything because she does a, a dating, you know, show and, you know, she has an image to uphold. So he has to make sure that he looks good because he's going to be seen with her. And then, you know, that's right. what she gets paid to do. I'm like, who are these people? But then I realized I've dated some of these people and that's the reason why it didn't last, you know, because they I've had people like that, you know, especially right after my divorce. And it's, it's funny when you've been married for like 10 years. The game is so different when you get, get back into the, the dating world again. And you just some of the, but the thing is, after 10 years of being with someone, you know, you're a little seasoned. You really know what you damn sure don't want anymore. So when someone comes off like they're like, you know, you need to do this. Oh, yeah, I can't date a guy with kids. Well, guess what? You won't. You won't be dating this one. Bye. See you. You know, you know, to the curb. There you go. So, you know, or it's like, you know, uh, what's your credit score? I'm like, what's your IQ? Because yeah. obviously you're pretty stupid to ask me that question. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually had to tell a girl that before, and it was so freaking hilarious. She was like, oh. But she it's so funny because we're talking about self-esteem. When I made that comment, she thought it was a joke. And so she was like, oh, my God, you're so funny. I'm like, no, I'm serious. <laughs> she thought I was kidding. Oh, so out. 
And she was done. Yeah, I was so like, okay, she doesn't even have yeah. any self-esteem to go with that low intelligence. So I'm I'm going the other way because you're going to be very high maintenance because <laughs> you know, you're short of having a helmet right now. So I got to let you go, girl. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 I think it's important to 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 really think it through before going on the day to 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 get your own sense of your own value, because um I don't know. I think in the end, we all really do want the, the, the real thing, a real connection, a real partner, someone who's going to have our backs, yeah. you know. So um, it, it, it is work to get to know yourself. And I find for me, I had to spend a year alone. I went into what is called withdrawal. So I didn't date anyone for a year to see if I could like the company that I kept when I was by myself. Because if I didn't like myself, I had no idea how anyone else was going to exactly. like myself. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I learned and so that's, that's how it starts. Way. Yeah, I learned the hard yeah. way. I had to do the same thing after that. Probably after my that the one ex girlfriend from Argentina. After that experience, I realized like you know what it it wasn't her. It wasn't her. It was a lot of me. I was I jumped in the game way too soon. You know, after mm -hmm. you know becoming separated and divorced, I was like you know I'm not ready for this yet. I need some time by myself. You know, because I was a serial monogamist, always in long term relationships. Like, Let me just be alone for a little while because this has been going on since like middle school. I need a break. <laughs> okay, so I just need to hang out yeah. with me, my homeboy, right, my dude. <laughs> you know, and <laughs> and then I was so much better. So that's why you know, and it's funny you just said a quote that my wife said. She goes, you know, I'm so thankful for those girls. And all the things they did wrong, <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> so, you know, I say, honestly, they did a lot of things right by being who they really were and me recognizing that right off the bat and not. Well, that, that's the important thing, too, is that you, everyone has to be who they really are, because at some point it's going to be too tiresome to keep up. The exactly. Act. You, and and plus, that's going to take a lot of yeah. truth. It takes a lot of energy to remember the lies when you're trying to, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. so easy. Well, to it's remember good. The it's truth. good for brain health. though. Sincere. <laughs> we have all these different lies you have to remember. You know, it, <laughs> right. it really makes your brain fire <laughs> off. Really well. <laughs> that's why I commend these guys that can sit there and date three or four girls at the same time. I'm like, man, your brain. Activity, man, yeah. it must be off the charts. Well, they're, they're never going to get Alzheimer because oh. <laughs> their brain health is so good. Maybe I, the cortisol, I don't get that. yeah, the cortisol may go up and cause Alzheimer's. So I take that back. <laughs> but one thing you said, Claudia, said that I like is to attract the coolest man. I had to become the coolest woman, and yeah. I think that's that's good advice for a lot of different contexts. I mean, for example, in my business, I realized right away that I want to attract people that want to take charge of their life and are serious about making change. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to put myself out there as someone who's willing to work with everyone. I want that specific type. They don't have to be super strong. They don't have to be super fit. They just have to have that mentality. Mm -hmm. And that's where this whole aggressive strength business model came from. And as a result, my business has been a pleasure because I don't attract those people that are going to be a nuisance, that are not a fit for me. Right. And I think so. I think it's important for people to be authentic, but also it's good advice for people that are out there trying to meet people. Realize what, what, what why would you feel that you're going to attract someone great if you're not great yourself? Exactly. So you have to work on yourself. And then you yeah, have to define what is person. great to you. You know, that's another <clears throat> thing. Yeah, like, what is great meaning? You want to be with. Absolutely. Yes. And, and all the traits, because that's what I did with the first guy. I, you know, I saw him that he was a, uh, there was some guy who was like a piano virtuoso and he had money and I wanted all of those things. So I thought I loved him for those things he had mm -hmm. because it was harder to look at how ca I could develop my own talents. Um, so that's the hard part. Are we on? Yeah. 
now. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes, we're on. Sorry. <laughs> um, that's the hard part to actually say, oh, OK, so it's the ball is back on my court. You know, I have to build myself up in order to be interesting. And the interesting thing is, if you do do that, if you do become enamored with yourself and you love what you're doing, it, it, it has not love has no choice but to appear because you're going to attract other you become a magnet you know people are like wow what's about that person you know why right. why does she or he mm-hmm. seem so interesting and it's because you have a fire within there's something that you're doing that you love when i met james i was i had my salsa classes my tango classes my groups my friends i was traveling the world doing your i was loving life matter right. of fact i was enjoying it a little too much <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's no, no such thing is there <laughs> no, that's cool. That's really cool. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna switch gears a little bit here. We're gonna go into a little bit more serious tone. One thing you guys talk about in the book, also both you and James talk about how at different times in your life you wanted to die. Hmm. Now that's a very serious topic, but I think all of us can really relate to that on some level. So I mean, what what was what was going through your head during these phases of your life? Well, I have a particular um, relationship with suicide because when I was 18, um, on my first day of university slash work, my mother decided to jump out of a window. Uh, Mm -hmm. She jumped out of the seventh floor um, where we had lived our whole lives. And um, and so, you know, I had to my father came to get me at work. He told me what had happened. She died. Um, And uh, so we had to return to that scene, ambulances, uh, the whole family crying. It was Mm -hmm. it was a mess. It was a I, I couldn't believe yeah. the amount of a mess that a suicide in a family can leave behind. So mm. um, seeing it so up up close, I think it a robbed me of my ability to say no. It confused me so much. Uh, it, it it left me wondering. I couldn't believe that the world kept going, and yet this had just happened to me. You know, and and people kept walking around, and I I think I had like a a break in my brain something happened there and so for me suicide seemed always like an alternative uh which it isn't really because um eventually as i grew older i i do think and again i don't have a harvard study to show for this but i believe it that i'm here to learn some lessons and Mm. should i follow i am now the age that my mother was when she did this i'm 46 i believe that if I was to follow her route, because it does cross my mind, you know, being the same age, hey, are you going to go? Are you going to stay? Um, I, I think that if I did that, then something aching to that movie, uh, Round, Groundhog Day. Yeah, Groundhog like, Day, yeah. yeah. Sure. Yes, something like that would happen to me where I would come to exactly the same situation, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. having to learn it all over again. So I'm like, no, I'm going to go through this. I'm going to learn whatever it is. And hopefully I will never have to return. <laughs> You talk, you talk about how devastating it is for the family, for the survivors when someone yeah. does that. I, I don't think it was in the book, but it was in an interview I heard with you. How did your yes. family how did your family move past this or cope with this? You know, I, I get it <clears throat> uh, that sometimes people feel horribly. I get it that my mother was uh, she was bipolar. She was depressed. She had been in bed forever. I, I didn't see it because at 17, I didn't understand. I thought all houses were like that. Yeah, right. Um 
But so when it happened, my family was this, the type that ne- nobody ever, it wasn't the, the Ingalls family, the little house Ooh, in the Prairie. Prairie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nobody talked about feelings. Nobody talked about anything. Yeah. So it was all put under the rug and, and no one really discussed anything. So, of course, the first thing I did was start taking the same drugs she was taking. I went into mm. drugs for a while. Uh, I had no idea. How, this was just too weak for me to cope with. Like, I, I really, I, I couldn't. I, yeah. <laughs> I just couldn't yeah. understand. And so um, I guess we moved on in any way we could as children. Um, I, I think it's a miracle that the three of us children are alive because they say one out of three will repeat. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's a miracle every day that I stay alive because I, I do get read, um, I do get depression and things like that. Um, but for me, as I said, it's about I don't want to have to learn all of this again. And also, um, I suppose eventually I found yoga and that gave me a, a certain degree of peace. Yeah. Um, enough to ground myself, to stop going for an available man and seeking intrigue and things like that, just to <laughs> just to not have to think about other things, you know, to to actually feel my feelings, to stay with it and, and to accept that I, I can be loved, even though she did that, right. <laughs> yeah. we, which could very much be interpreted as, oh, she doesn't love me. Mm. Um, so I guess I moved I don't know if you ever move past this. And if anyone is thinking of committing suicide, I will say two things. One, I get it. I understand because I've been there. I'll say three things, actually. The second one is there is no easy way. So be careful because you could end up in a coma for years and that's no fun. And the third thing is just take a look at the people around because it's the biggest F you that you will do to all of them for the rest of their lives. No question. Mm. Like you really are messing them up forever because there is not a day that I don't give a prayer and say please help me through this day please help me forgive myself and forgive her and uh, it's pretty deep (laughs) it's it's intense and I find that many times when people think or say I want to die what they're really saying is I don't like my life right now Uh, I need it to change and change can never happen immediately so you need to start with the basics you know and James has this right I think in this daily practice of check the boxes that you're physically mentally spiritually and emotionally healthy every day surround yourself with people who, who care for you be grateful, exercise your mental muscle, and do something physical um, every day. And it, little by little, you start to build health, and, yeah. and good things appear for you. No doubt. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. It, it's not a fun thing to go through. Yeah. I, I, I will say that. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, I've, I've had to deal with it. And, you know, I've also had to deal with it just even from my wife's family as well, because, you know, the brother-in-law I never met, he also committed suicide. So I've seen what it can do to a family. And it's been well over. It's been almost 15 years for them, but it never goes away. You know, and there's so many ways that it affects you. You know, some people, you know, they're affected by, you know, they're constant. They may think about doing it themselves or they may turn to other things, drugs, you know, other type of addictive behaviors, food, sex, whatever, you know, just ways of trying to cope with that. So it's just one of the things that, you know, that a lot of times the person, when they go through these things, they don't think about the after effects of that. You know, I've been, I've been someone that grew up with depression. It's, it's in my family. And, you know, in the times that I have thought about that, I was like, well, the thing that turned me away, especially as an adult, it's like, okay. 
I have kids and look how mm-hmm. jacked up you were. You know, my father was was killed, you know, and mm-hmm. and, you know, you think like, you know, I was eight years old when it happened. And I thought, you know, OK, you know, as you get older, like, well, that was then you know, I was eight. I really didn't understand it. But it, it doesn't go away. It happens. It's, it's embedded in your subconscious, no matter how intelligent you are, and how you can understand it. But the thing is, it's a parent, somebody you're really connected to. And it happened when he was 27. Then I started to realize something. Almost everyone that I really like, especially in because I was I'm really into music. Anyone I really looked up to in music, they all were dying at 27. There was Jimi Hendrix. There was Jim Morrison. Mm, there was Janis yes. Joplin. You know, and there was something about the Jays, too. I'm like, J, 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 what is all this stuff? So it starts messing with you. So then eventually, you know, I started right when I was approaching 27. You know, at that time, that's when I started thinking, like, okay, am I going to be okay at 27 or is something tragic going to happen to me at that age? Right. You know, but then luckily for me, you know, you know, what really changed everything around for me. My daughter was born that year. And it just kind of really changed everything because, you know, guess what? It's no longer about you, dude. You know, it's really it it was never just about me in the first place because I still have my grandparents and everybody else. But I thought, like, okay, I have this other life that really, really depends on me now. So, you know, Mm. you can't do that to her because you'll screw her up for the rest of her life. You know, having to deal with that because, you know, how does it feel when you don't have that parent around, you know, at such a young age? So do you want to repeat that cycle? I'm like, no. And then, of course, like you said, you start looking at the people around you, you start doing some inventory. You're like, you know what? Maybe it's not so much of like all the stuff internal that's going on with me as well. It's all these external forces as well. There are like this synergy. So you just got to change that synergy up a little bit and just really Mm -hmm. take, you know, really take get a perspective of what's really going on in your life. And then also, am I with someone I don't want to be with? Am I doing something that I don't want to do? You know, it may not be all these things play a factor in why you start to even consider, you know, just kind of, you know, taking yourself out of the picture like that. So, yeah, yes. yeah, it's, it's all about doing that, that, that inventory, you know, and asking those questions that a lot of people don't want to ask. I'm so grateful you told that story. That's a, a really um, touching story because um, I also I, I believe it's important that we as a society start talking about this um, yes. because um, I have uh, one friend that jumped out of a bridge this year and another friend who attempted and didn't succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- there is definitely an epidemic and um, and it's important for those people, anyone thinking uh, of doing anything like this, um, y- you have to actually call someone and say, you, for example, if I was calling Mike, Mike, I need your help. You actually need to name the person and say, I need your right, help. Right. Uh, that's the way to do it because otherwise the brain can think, oh, someone else is going to help her because right, I'm right. thinking of hurting myself. Right, and right. then uh, it's hard to do and accept help because uh, what happens when you go into suicide, I talked to a psychiatrist about this, is that you get funnel vision. So the mm-hmm. only possible reasonable way you see is out. Right. And you cannot, by the life of, by the love of God, you cannot see any other scenario. So that's why you need help. And in the book, we say the second most important word is help. And you need to use it, whether you're in an addictive situation, whether you're always getting the wrong guy, whether you're thinking of killing yourself, whatever it is. Help is the word. And help is a good word because it puts the other person in a higher up position. So it's always, you know, you make another person feel good and you get to, to help yourself. Yeah, you get right. to validate them being human now. And that's one <laughs> right. thing about it. We all want to connect with each other. So no matter how selfish things look in this world, at the end of the day, people... Everybody's screaming for help. All the selfish type of situations happening right now, they're screaming for help. That's what's happening right there because they're disconnected and they want to feel connected to someone. And that's why all this is going on. And that's all it is, just a bunch. And I think what ends up happening also when someone gets to that very last thought, we're like, well, the only way out, the only way to go is out. You know, I don't want to ask for help because they're afraid of being 
ashamed and feeling mm-hmm. guilty that, you know, well, I'll look weak if I tell someone that, you know, I, I even considered this. So it's just so much easier for me just to go ahead and just take care of this on my own and in the only way I know possible. And that's the thing about it. So there's, uh, there's always this fear and guilt that's attached to it as well. And for not want to ask for help Bec- or not want to put that person in that position like, well, they may think that that person they asked for help feels obligated now, you know, because they don't want you to do something, you know, horrible to yourself, even if they didn't want to have to help you or didn't have the time. They got now they have to be they feel like you end up feeling like you're an inconvenience to them. Yeah. And, right. and that's what ends up happening. Yeah, like, it's, no. it's humbling. It's true. Yeah. It's humbling to ask for help. Uh, yes. But I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's a difficult place to be in. I, I will agree with that with that part. But it is the right thing to do. Right. Um, to to. You know, is 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 the is the way of the warrior. Is a way of facing and learning and growing. And uh, any any person whom I've met that has tried to kill themselves and then they didn't succeed, they all tell me I I met I met three um, that their lives kind of change right afterwards. Mm-hmm. That they that things are always around the corner. There is usually a way out or a better way. It's, sometimes it, it requires a little patience. Right. Um, so, and there's even a TED talk of a guy who talks that he threw himself out of a bridge. Oh, yeah. And uh, now he's given a TED talk to bring this, uh, you know, he, he's, he's okay. He, he, there is a way to be okay. Right. Let's not leave on this note. Yeah. Get, <laughs> get through it. We've been, we know we, we've been having you on for a while, so we'll wrap this up soon, Claudia. Mm-hmm. We appreciate you being on the show for such a yeah, long time today. Sure. No, it's, yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's great talking to you. But one thing that you also bring up in your book that I think is a really important topic that I think about often is how important it is to avoid complaining. And this yes. is something that I think everyone, including myself, has difficulty with because I've been all over the world. I've seen terrible suffering, so I, I am grateful for everything I have. And you would think with everything I've seen that it's easy for me to just be grateful all day long. But I fall into the same trap that all of us fall into where we just complain about stuff. It's like, oh, too much traffic. Oh, it's hot outside today. It's like, why didn't this person call me back? You know, all these little things that just add up. What happens when we just complain too much? What are we missing out on? Yeah. Um, well, I'm in the same boat. For me, it's very hard. I, I talk in the book about um, this uh, workshop facilitator who had us wearing a rubber band so that we would hit it uh, <laughs> right. ourselves every right. time we complained. And uh, so for that week, it worked for me. And, um, you know, it sounds woo-woo, but really very magical things started happening to me when the complaining stopped because I was hitting myself. Uh, but now, you know, I find myself every day, oh, I have to start again from day one. (laughs) (laughs) Outside of the workshop uh, setting is a lot easier to fall into, oh, they have more than me. Mm, I don't like them. (laughs) (laughs) Go there. It just, um, I don't know. You know what? You know, it's funny, Claudia, when you get quiet and you don't complain, you realize how much other people do. (laughs) That that was, that was the other thing that happened to me. I remember I was going, (laughs) I was having a great day of no complaining. I'm like, Hey, I think I'm getting on a roll here. And then all of a sudden people around you are just complaining. Like, God, it's so hot today. It's like, Oh, what's this? What's this? When is this person going to do this? You're like, man, does this person ever shut up? And now you're complaining again. (laughs) Yeah, 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 exactly. Now (laughs) you're complaining about them complaining too much. (laughs) Yeah. And I'll tell you where the, 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 the war zone for these things, 
is the most dangerous place to be in for complaining store. is is an oh yeah or an elevator oh, when yes. there is a silence that's like a danger zone you better come out with some kind of a conversation before the complaining starts because they can degenerate very very quickly so if you're watching it stay away from elevators and they can do it in silence too like if you're the person that gets on the elevator and you're like smiling and you're like hey how are you and they just kind of look at you like Hell, why are you so damn happy? <laughs> but they don't say it, they just look at you with this little side side but look. But you can feel it. You yeah, so basically it. they're complaining with their look. They're like, you shut the hell yeah. up. How are you? Don't <laughs> ask me how I am. <laughs> just punch the number and let's go. <laughs> so, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, don't grab your purse just because I got on. Exactly. Right. <laughs> 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 so now, she's, now I'm complaining about that. Like, really? Really? <laughs> yeah, but it, but it's really difficult, and, and it sucks so much energy out of your day that could go to yeah. something more productive when you just complain all the time. Yeah. And it's, it's just it's, easier, you know. If I say, oh, yeah. you know, she's horrible, and she really doesn't look good, and 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 it's easy to go down that path, and and you notice about after five or ten minutes that your vibration, your energy is a lot lower, and you're like, oh, like you're decaying. Yes. And you're probably um, attracting it too. I mean, you're sitting yeah. around judging, complaining about other people, and at the same time someone's probably looking at you going look at this guy why, why is he all sour face hat? yeah look at he him thinks all he's sour so cool face. is that a black and white goatee yes why the hell does he have that oh i bet he dies it every morning idiot <laughs> well, look at his hair i bet he needs to wash it man i bet it's so dirty i hate people with dress he probably smokes weed he's probably jamaican <laughs> i'm sitting like really <laughs> yeah that's her mind that's her mind that's the state of our mind in our days and you know it leads to escalation and to killing each other very exactly. quickly because it's just so fiery and if it goes unchecked and if we don't have, say, 10 minutes to sit in silence in the bathroom and then reset the nervous system, you know, to calm it down, to, to have a moment to, okay, I'm, I'm going to come back to silence now, then it can keep going and, and become very volatile. Um, the mind in this period is, ve- is a very dangerous tool. Oh, yes. Yes. Is what leads to suicide. It what is what leads to wars. Um, we really, it, it's kind of vital that we keep our minds in check. So anything that we do, exercise helps. Uh, yes. Yoga helps. Sitting in silence helps. N- trying or practicing not complaining. Uh, staying around positive people. Uh, all of these things are really the, the foundation, so that we can. Well, that, that that's the other problem, Claudia, is that it becomes a bonding experience as well where you complain about something and then someone joins in and then you attract more people and now you're all together complaining about something and then sadly enough you're this is a bonding experience now and exactly. i see this happen all the time I remember there was this there's this one kettlebell organization where everyone was i was at this group dinner after an event where everyone was complaining about stuff that's going on here and i'm sitting there listening to all this stuff and i'm like okay well what are you guys going to do about it and then everyone just went blank. They didn't know what to do. I go, why don't you just leave the organization if you're that unhappy? But none of them ever did. They're still in it now. Right. So I think I think some people just get a real pleasure uh, out of complaining. Right. And now it yeah. becomes something that you don't want to let go of because it makes you feel important in some way. Yes. And it's so much yes. easier than actually trying to go and solve a problem. Because now right. you actually have to sit down and put down a plan. It's easy to complain. There's no plan in that. It's just like, oh, I'm just going to bitch today. <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> no real planning on that one whatsoever. It's just like, oh, because there's plenty of material out there to help you bitch about it. <laughs> you know, But actually sit down and put down a plan and like, come up with a solution to a real problem. Now that takes a little energy and a little effort. And guess what? The key word here, focus. It takes some focus to do that. 
So, but yeah. you know, the, the people I admire the most, people like uh, Melia Kaplan and James Pond, both nonprofit people that have been on, on our show. Melia helps animals. James helps victims of human trafficking. Though, th- when, you, when you listen to when you talk to these people, they don't complain about stuff. They're out there in the field making things happen. They're working hard. And those are the kind of people I admire the most. They don't mm-hmm. waste time bitching and complaining. They don't about have time to talk about it. They're too busy yeah, exactly. being about it. You know, they don't have exactly. time. They're, they're letting their actions do the talking. Those are the always, those are always the kind of people I think of if I'm right. stuck yeah. in any kind of rut. I go, you know, the problem is, is that you need to go help some animals, help some people, and you're automatically going to feel better, and it works every time. Yep. Yeah, but, and even when you're in the flow of, of of your own work, or you know, when I find myself doing a podcast and then writing a post and then teaching a class, when you're in the flow of doing and helping others, there's just simply no time. You 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 do have to put your best face in order exactly. to mm-hmm. to 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 be able to give something to other people, whether it be through teaching or writing or anything like that. And that, in the long term, generates positive energy, which comes back to you and yeah. and so it's, it's like a circle and, and it keeps coming back to you and then you keep elevating yourself and being around more positive people and then eventually i think the complaining subsides right. but uh it, it does take some giving it so i i think it's great what you did you know like uh, let, let's not talk about that let's talk about what we can do about it uh, right. changing the conversation like madmen would say yeah. you know, if you don't like <laughs> yeah. it just change yeah. it um, and it, it can be hard to do, but it can be done gracefully too. Like, yes. you know, oh, let's just like, you don't know, let's talk about, just come up with a new topic of conversation. <laughs> exactly. All right. Final question. And then we're going to let you go here. You often recommend you have a, you have a system called the ABC mode. Whenever someone's trying to manipulate you, just, just mm. briefly tell us about that. Yeah, it's, it's not really a system. It's just kind of like it came to me because I was at this party and uh, and I, I I really needed to go. I, it was uh-huh. late for me. And this woman kept sort of inching me towards the wall saying, you can't go now. I've done all of this. And, uh, and um, you know, if you were looking at me from afar, um, you could tell that it was like a mother and a child, not two <laughs> women. I had become a prey and she was literally putting me against the wall and I felt bullied into staying, you know, a 45-year-old woman. I felt bullied <laughs> into staying for a dinner I didn't want to go uh, be at. So I, I, I say, well, first acknowledge what's happening, which I couldn't do at the time. And, and acknowledge is to say, okay, I'm being bullied. So that's one yeah. thing, you know. And another thing I do is in yoga, I relax my stomach and breathe because that's where the tension goes first. Yeah. So take a breath, acknowledge, okay, I'm being bullied. Then um, you, you set the boundary and you say, I understand this is wonderful. Um, I still have to go. And then yeah. you close, which is the C, which is you go. Now, that person may never like you or invite you to anything again. <laughs> but you yeah. know what? That may be a very That's good. good now thing. you don't have to say no. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Preemptive no. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, it kind of yes. goes back to this meme I saw this week. It's like, yeah, sorry, I'm late. I didn't want to be here. <laughs> so, <laughs> and that's what you think about it. Anytime you procrastinate about anything, it's most likely because you're not interested or whatever. Right. And, right. So, yeah. Good for you. So, I'm, I'm good at saying no. I mean, people can't even get the sentence out. I'll just cut them nah. off mid sentence. It's like, hey, I wanted to take you out for lunch. It's like, no, no, we're not doing that. You're not taking me out for lunch. Go read the article you know, on my website. <laughs> I want to pick your brain. What do you do, do, you do if they say to you, uh, uh, oh, oh, come on, why not? 
you know, they, they don't even come back. They don't even come at me like that because oh, I'm, I'm very decisive with that. No, to the point where people are speechless. You know, they don't even yeah, know what you say because, they're, yeah, they're not used to that. I mean, I had a guy who was a valet driver at one of the casinos out here and he recognized me and he's a nice enough guy. And then, you know, the second day I saw him, I was coming out of some event. He's like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of yours and I, I'd love to pick your brain. Maybe I can take you out for lunch and tell you about this idea. And I was like, no, I got no, I don't do that. I don't make myself available for things like that. Just check out this article on my website where I address that. So not only did I say no, but I gave him a plan of action. <laughs> so he, didn't, he didn't really have an opportunity to come back because I made it clear why I'm saying no. I go, no, I don't, I don't make myself available for that. I'm not interested in that. So, I mean, if someone did that to me, I'm definitely not going to keep going, <laughs> you know, right. because right. Yeah. you just got shut down. I'm not saying no and trying to run off. Or the mistake I think a lot of people make, Claudia, is they, they don't say no. What they say is, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Just shoot me an email and we'll discuss it. And then you just blow the person off. Right. right. That's the yeah. passive aggressive way. Yes, exactly. That's so true. And it's I don't so do... much better to be honest. I, I, I really so. like what you do. I admire yeah. you for this because it takes skill to be able to say no. Um, I, I'm not I think do honestly, <laughs> the second in, I mean, when someone is saying something and in your brain right away, you're thinking, no, just say it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yes, don't give yourself a chance. Yeah, here's yeah. a hint right here. When they're talking, all of a sudden, hey, I want it. And all of a sudden, you don't hear anything else after that. <laughs> your brain just shuts off, like, no, we're not listening to this dude. Just like, we're not interested. That right I, there, I that's think, a definite no. <laughs> exactly. I think you have to be decisive. I think some people are just too wishy washy. They're like, ah, oh, you know, I'd like to help you, but I'm kind of busy right now. You know, maybe down the road. You know, don't say any of that stuff. Just say no. If not, mm. Just say no. Itself, you know, we'll keep the door. No, no, the door's closed. It's locked. I got bolts on it. And I got a shotgun behind it don't come in okay so the door is like, i mean when when i ask someone to be on the show and they say not interested i don't keep going <laughs> you know I take, Next. <laughs> I take the hit if they don't respond back i'm not going to keep emailing them going come on did you get my last email no <laughs> just move on there's other people to talk to you so i, th I yes. think i think it's important I, I i learned this when i was much younger because i remember i was working a job and there are people, coworkers always felt like they could take liberties. Oh, hey guys, I'm moving this weekend. How about you come help out? You know, I'll buy some pizzas and some beers. Yeah. No, no, I'll buy my own pizza and beer and stay home. Right. Okay? <laughs> you know, right. I'm not going to get manipulated into helping you move because you don't want to pay someone to do that. Exactly. Like, yeah. I'll buy you You're dinner. I'm not hungry. <laughs> <It's> like, <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> You're but, ahead of the game of uh, from me there because I'm telling you, you know how they say we write the books we need to learn things <laughs> about and saying no is one of the places where I really need to keep practicing and I'm impressed by this, um, but your ability to say no and I understand because that that's a hard thing for me, like uh, will you like me if I say no, but I am learning and practicing saying I'm sorry, but the answer is no and, and it's really hard, but it's a very good practice. <laughs> I think if you don't worry about whether people like you or not, that helps. Yeah. I, 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 somehow I developed that skill. I'm not sure when, but I developed it at some point. <laughs> well, you also look very, I don't know, you, you have big muscles. And I think I think I would be scared. Like if you said well, no, you, I would be well, like, you know, oh, my you, God. OK, I'm out of the way. OK. You know what? People who know me know I'm a real affable guy and I'm a I'm a I'm a joking around kind of guy. But if you don't know me, I kind of look serious like someone you who's do not going to serious. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which, which is fine. I'm, I'm going to let people believe that. Like one, someone recently was telling Sincere, like, oh, you know, he looks like a hard ass. He's not going to take any excuses. And I was like, you know what? I'm not really that guy, but I'm glad you believe that because it saves me a lot of hassle. <laughs> you know? That's so true. Maybe I have to bulk up. 
I think that's what uh, just look, just look hard as you walk around each day. Don't smile right. at anyone. <laughs> well, thanks so much, Claudia. Again, the book is The Power of No, because one little word can bring health, abundance, and happiness. It's by James Altucher and Claudia Altucher. It's a great book. Highly recommended. You're going to get a lot out of it. And also, where can people go to find out more about you, Claudia? Uh, I'm at ClaudiaYoga.com. And, um, yep, that's where I am. Or on Twitter, I'm uh, at Claudia Yoga. Very cool. Man, we'd yes. love to have you come back at some point and talk about yoga maybe next time. We'll talk sure. about that. Yes. Thank you very much for having me. I really enjoy this, Mike, and Sincere. Oh, thank you very much. Real pleasure. You have a great afternoon. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Right. Take care. Again, that was our guest, Claudia Altucher. Check out her book with James, The Power of No, and then check out her yoga stuff. She has a lot of cool clips on YouTube as well for those of you that want to explore this stillness and meditation and just being quiet much more. And one thing you can do before you go off and be quiet and meditate is use coupon code LLA to get 10% off any of my nutrition supplements. And what can they do with your site, man? Same thing. 10% off of all the products over there on newwarriortraining.com. Type in the coupon code LLA. We pretty much been telling you guys pretty much all the stuff that's over there. So hop over to both our websites, find something you like, use that coupon code, and then Say yes to good products. <laughs> Say no to yeah. crappy products on other sites that you may have gone to and you're probably mad about. So there you go. Thanks a lot, folks. We'll All see right, you next time. Take care, people.